you now if you would open your Bibles back to Job chapter 14. We're going through looking at different questions that have been asked in the scriptures. And the question I want to look at this morning is this. Shall the dead live again? Shall the dead live again? Now that title ought to get our attention. That ought to be a, a good question for dead and dying people to consider. It? Shall the dead live again? And when Job asked this question, look how he begins it in chapter 7. The first uh, chapter, verse 7, chapter 14, how it leads up to this question. He says, for there's hope of a tree. If it be cut down, that it will sprout again, and that the tender branch thereof will not cease. Though the root thereof wax old in the earth, and the stalk thereof die in the ground, yet through the sin of water it will bud and bring forth boughs like a plant. But man dieth and wasteth away. Yea, man giveth up the ghost. And where is he? As the waters fail from the sea, and the flood decayeth and dryeth up, so man lieth down and riseth not. To the heavens be no more. They shall not awake nor be raised out of their sleep. Now in nature we see this. A tree's been cut down. The stump is there and the stump looks dead. It might look dead for a good while. But sometimes if there's enough rain, enough sunshine, the elements are just right, that dead looking stump starts to sprout again. It looks like that tree's come back from the dead. Now, it really didn't. The tree really didn't come back from the dead. It just looked dead. It came, it started sprouting again because there was always life in the root. The root wasn't dead. There was still some life there. And eventually, it sprouted again, even though the rest of the tree looked dead. But man's not like a tree. You and me, we're not like trees. When we die, we're not going to sprout again. We're not going to sprout new life again. That's what he, um, Job says in verse 12. Man lieth down and riseth not. When we, when we die, uh, we're gone. The body's dead. The, the root, the, the life force, whatever you want to call that, the spirit, it's dead. The spirit's left the body and the body is dead. It can't sprout again to new life. All it's going to do is go back to the dust from whence God gave it. And Job is making the statement, you know, he's, he's in the midst of this awful, awful trial. He's suffering so much. He says, I wish I'd just die. He says in verse 13, Oh, that thou wouldest hide me in the grave, that thou wouldest keep me until thy wrath be past, that thou wouldest appoint me a set time and remember me. Job said, I just wish I was dead in the grave. And then he asks the question in verse 14. If a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. Now I'm just sure that Job is asking this question. If a man dies, shall he live again? I'm pretty sure it's a hypothetical question. It's got to be. Because Job already knows the answer to the question. He says here, um, all my days, uh, all the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. Job knows there's a change coming. He says, and he knows when it'll happen, when the Lord returns and calls. When that last trump sound, his voice, he's going to call the dead from the grave. He said, thou wilt call and I'm going to answer thee. You're going to call and I'm going to come out. There's a change coming. 
He tells us more about that in Job chapter 19. I want us just to see this. So you know, Job already knows the answer to this question. He knows there's a resurrection coming. Job 19, verse 23. Oh, that my words were now written. Oh, that they were printed in a book. That they were graven with an iron pen and let in the rock forever. This is what Job's saying. Carve this in my tombstone. Put this in my tombstone so people can see it. I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another. He's not going to be a stranger to me, though my reins be consumed within me. Job, you know, we talk about the Old Testament believers, and, you know, what did they know? What did the Lord reveal? Well, I know this. Job knew there was going to be a resurrection. Job knew he'd rise from the dead when the Lord returns the second time. And Eric, he said that before the Lord came the first time. <laughs> He's already looking forward to the, to the Lord's return. He's already looking forward to that change in his body. He knows he's going to be raised again in glorified flesh. He knows that. So he knows there's a resurrection. Maybe he's asking this question for our comfort. Maybe he's asking this question and posing this question in a way so that his friends will know what his hope is, that his hope is in Christ. But either way, I know this. Job is asking this question in faith. He knows there's, there's going to be a resurrection. And that's his comfort at this time. He's suffering this great, great trial. The, the pain of, of mind, the pain of body that he's going through, it's just greater than, than anyone that we know of in Scripture other than Christ himself. And when he's in all this suffering, you know what Job's telling us? My hope is in Christ. Even though I'm going through this pain and this misery, I'm being crushed by this trial, I'm looking forward to when I see my Redeemer face to face. My Redeemer, I mean, even though I'm going through this trial, He's my Redeemer. He hasn't cast me off. He's my Redeemer. And when I get through with His veiled tears, I'm going to see Him face to face. So I want to look this morning at the subject of the resurrection. And I want us to have comfort for our souls as we go through this veiled tears below, like our brother Job did, and find our comfort, find some comfort in looking forward, I'm going to see the Redeemer face to face. Now the scriptures speak about two different resurrections. There's a spiritual resurrection, and there's a physical resurrection. First, look over at John chapter 3. First, I want to look at the spiritual resurrection. It's what we call the new birth. And that was the subject of our Lord's conversation with Nicodemus. Brother Gary just read for us. And this one thing from this conversation I know for sure. We must be born again. We must be born again. Look what our Lord told Nicodemus. In verse 1, here Nicodemus comes to him. A man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Now, I mean, think about this man. This man was a student of the Scriptures. I mean, he was a student of the Scriptures. He gave his life over the study of, of scriptures. He was a, one of the religious rulers of the Jews. 
The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And I love how our Lord always ignores the noise. <laughs> he cuts right to the heart of the matter. The Lord answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He can't see, he can't understand, he can't comprehend, he can't enter into the kingdom of God. That's why in verse 7, the Lord told him, you must be born again. You must be. Brent is not optional. We must be born again. And I'll tell you why this is true. We must be born again. It's because we're dead. Now we're talking about a spiritual resurrection. We are spiritually dead and we've been dead a long time. When Adam died, you and I died in him. When Adam died spiritually, you and I died in him. When Adam sinned, every last one of us sinned. We sinned in Adam. And when he died, we died. And Adam, our representative. And this nature of our flesh, the spiritual nature, it's not like a tree. It can't live again. It cannot live again. It's dead. The spiritual root that's in us is dead. It's dead. I don't care how much spiritual light is shined around us. I don't care how much spiritual truth that we might hear preached to us. Our flesh is dead. It's dead. The flesh will never believe the truth. It'll never believe Christ. It'll never beg Christ for mercy. It'll never come to Christ because the flesh is dead and it will never produce life. Never. That's what our Lord says in verse 6. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. He's telling Nicodemus, the only thing the flesh ever will be is dead, sinful flesh. All it ever will be. You can, you can threaten people with the law. You can beat them with the rod. You can scare them after death. But you're not going to improve the flesh. It's dead. It's dead. The flesh can't be fixed up. You know, we talk about, about the new birth. and We talk about salvation. We're not talking about a change of habits and a change in conduct. The flesh can't be fixed up. In verse 4, Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Nicodemus doesn't understand. Nicodemus, if you could go back into your mother's womb and be born again, you come out the same way you came out the first time. You come out dead. You come out dead in sin. So you must be born again. Again. Now the new birth. Let me tell you some things about the new birth. I, I'll be like uh, John Gill. First of all, I'll tell you what the new birth is not. If you ever read John Gill, he always he always starts out always telling you what what it's not and. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine this week. He said, whenever we're reading Gil, we always just go down until we find, however, and you know, then you start reading what it is. Let me tell you what it's not. And we need to know what it's not because this is what the world and false religion tells you the new birth is. The new birth is not a head knowledge of the right doctrine. The new birth is not just a head knowledge of what the scriptures say. Now, if you remember in the lesson, I told you, I want you to know what the scriptures say. So that you're 
head will be protected from error. You can't be deceived into, into believing something's not true. But the new birth is a whole lot more than just head knowledge of what the scriptures say or head knowledge of the right doctrine. The Pharisees, Nicodemus, he knew what the scripture said, didn't he? He had a head knowledge of, of the right doctrine, but he wasn't born again. In verse 9, Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel? You're a Pharisee. You're an expert in the scriptures. And you don't know these things? The Lord told the Pharisees in John chapter 5, Search the scriptures. Now he was giving them, saying, You do search the scriptures. That's what he was saying. For in them you think you have eternal life. But they are they which testify of me. The Lord was telling them, you know the words of Scripture. You know what the Scriptures say. Just like when the Lord asked him, well, the Messiah, whose son is he? So I know he's son of David. They know the words, but they miss the message. The Bible is not written to tell us how to live. The Bible is not written to tell us what to do and what not to do. The Bible is written to reveal to reveal Christ. The message of the scriptures is Christ. Well, then the new birth is not going to the right church, going through the right religious ceremonies. Thinking how I want to say this just right. I'm, I'm very glad, very glad that you're here this morning instead of someplace else in this town. I'm glad. I'm glad. Uh, don't think you're going to hear the truth anywhere else. But the new birth is not attending the right church. The new birth is not going through all the right religious ceremonies. The Jews had that, didn't they? The Jews had the temple. That was, that was the place on earth Almighty God was worshipped. Philistines didn't have it. The Amorites didn't have it. The Amalekites didn't have it. The Jews had the right place to go, didn't they? They had the right religious ceremonies. They had the sacrifices. They had all the feast days and the different things, you know. They went through the, the right religious ceremonies. But they weren't born again. Nicodemus lived his life for this. I mean, the the, the scriptures and, and religion was not just what... To us, it would be Saturday or Sunday and Wednesday. To him, it was a Saturday. I mean, this was a seven-day-a-week thing to Nicodemus. He lived his life for this. But the first thing the Lord told him is, Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. The new birth is not starting to live a moral life. You know, you used to be immoral. Now you start living a moral life. Saul of Tarsus was outwardly blameless. Outwardly blameless. But he was still unrighteous. Needed to be born again. You see, the new birth is supernatural. The Lord, when he says here, except a man be born again, that word again means from above. This is It's supernatural. The new birth is the birth of a brand new nature. A brand new man, a brand new woman in the hearts of his people a nature that never existed before. See, it's not like God's given a little bit of water to the dead root of our flesh in Adam. And that No, it doesn't spring. It's a brand new man 
who never existed before. And it's opposite of the flesh in every way. Hold your place there in John. Look up with me over 1 Peter chapter 1. Now this is a supernatural thing. You can't exactly explain it. You just know it's happened. But there are some things we know about, about the new birth, this new man. And I know this, first of all, he's conceived of brand new seed, the word of God. First Peter 1, verse 22. Seeing you purified your souls and obeying the truth through the spirit and unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Why? Because you're born again. Being born again. Not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. This new man is conceived from the seed of the word of God by hearing the word of God preached, hearing Christ preached. That's how God, the Holy Spirit, conceives that new man in us. And that new man is sinless. He can't sin. He can't not believe on Christ. He is sinless and holy. You know why? Because the seed that conceived him is sinless and holy. Why are you and I sinners? Because the seed, we're just like the seed that conceived us. The seed of our father that conceived us was sinful. That's why we're sinners. The new man is sinless because the seed that conceived him is sinless. And this new man, he's born from above. He's born of God the Holy Spirit. Now look back at John chapter 3. Verse 8. The wind bloweth where it listeth. Thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that's born of the Spirit. God the Holy Spirit moves where Christ is preached. And he gives life in the new birth to whom he will, when he will. And this is something only God can do. It's so mysterious. You know, the, the wind blows in your backyard and uh, we've got a, a tree, one tree in our backyard and loses its leaves every year. It's one tree. It's just not worth it for me to, to rake up them leaves. I just let them decay, you know. So there's some leaves in my backyard. I can look out in the backyard and I can tell the wind's blowing because I see the, the leaves. God the Holy Spirit moves Move. He moves in the hearts of his people when the gospel is preached. Now I can't tell what all he's doing. But when you believe the gospel, when I believe the gospel, when I trust Christ, I know he's been there. I know he's, he's given life. Look back at the page of John chapter 1. The new man is born by the will of God. You're just like our first birth. We weren't born the first time because we wanted to be. I wasn't born because I decided to be born. No, I was born by the will of somebody else. I was conceived by the will of somebody else. So is the new man. 
The new man is born by the will of somebody else. It's not a decision of the flesh. You can't decide to get saved. You can't decide to get born again. The new birth happens by the will of God the Holy Spirit. John 1 verse 11. He came into his own. The Savior, the long promised Messiah, finally came. 4,000 years after God promised Adam he'd come, he finally came. And his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power. He gave them the right. He gave them the privilege, the blessing to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now, why did they believe on his name? Because they were born. Which were born, not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. They were born of the will of God. By his own will begat he us with the word of truth. You see, God's the one who plants the seed. He's the one that plants the seed in the hearts of his people. He's the one that causes it to grow to spiritual life. He's the one that gives faith and he's the one that causes that faith to grow. Life is all up to the will of God Almighty. Now that doesn't mean there's nothing you can do. You you can't decide to get born again. You can't will to be born again. You can't decide to get saved. God's going to have to save you. God's going to have to give you life. God's going to have to be the one to cause you to be born again. But you sure can't beg him to give it to you. You sure can't beg him. And isn't it a blessing when God gives a dead sinner life? Oh, what a blessing it is. It's what we pray for all the time. I mean, I pray for it every single day in my study. That's one thing I always pray for. What a blessing. Aren't you thankful? Here sits someone here in the gospel. They've heard it and they've heard it. They heard it. And it seems like they leave unaffected. Seems like they're half asleep and and suddenly something's different. Suddenly they listen different. Suddenly they're affected different. Before long they come and say, I want to confess Christ in baptism. What happened? The Spirit blew through. And He gave life. And oh, we're thankful. Oh, we're thankful. But now let's Let's deal honestly here with one another. I'm going to tell you something. Now we're, oh, I beg God He'd give you life. But I'm telling you this, your troubles aren't going to start till He does. Your troubles with sin, your troubles with this world, your trouble with yourself isn't going to start until you're born again. See, before you're born again, the old man's got nobody to fight with. <laughs> when you're born again, that old man's got somebody to fight with. When God causes a new man, a new nature to be born in the hearts of his people, that new holy man, he loves God. He trusts Christ. He believes the gospel. He feeds on the word of God. His heart is thrilled and fed with the preaching of the word of God. But you know where that fellow's got to live? In this sinful flesh. I mean his close neighbor, just like two twins in the womb, is the flesh. The nature of the flesh. 
And that old man, he's the, he is the opposite of the new man in every way, and the new man's opposite of the old man in every way. And that new man has got to live right next to that man of flesh until the flesh finally dies. And those two opposites, I'm telling you, they're going to war. I mean, they're going to war with one another. And they're going to fight with all they've got. Both of them are. They're going to fight with everything that they have as long as they're together. That's a civil war. Isn't it? See, both those natures are me. I really am that old man. I mean, that man of sin and wretchedness and vileness, that man's me. That new man born of God, he's me too. I really do believe Christ. I really, oh. I can say with Peter, Lord, you know I love you. It might not look like it sometimes, but you know I believe you. You know I trust you. Lord, you know. Both of those are me. They're fighting with me. That's a civil war. I'm fighting with myself all the time. And that makes the believer the happiest, most miserable person you know. <laughs> that old man will never quit trying to get us to trust in our works. He'll never quit. He'll never quit trying to get some credit, some glory for something that we've done, something we've brought to God, and the new man will never do it. <laughs> He'll never give in. He'll never do it. Because the only thing that new man can do is trust Christ. And that fight is never going to be over until the flesh is dead. Now this matter of the new birth is so important. Oh, it's so important. Here's how important it is. If there's not a new birth, where a new, I mean a brand new man, not the flesh reformed, not the flesh remade, not the flesh fixed up, a brand new man born of God, a brand new, who never existed before, who's holy, who's righteous, who cannot sin. If there's no such thing as that new birth, we got no gospel to preach. If there's no new birth, we've got no good news to tell dead sinners. If God the Holy Spirit is not going to give somebody life through the preaching of His Word, we may as well quit. Because we got no good news to tell. But our good news is this. God's going to give life to His elect. And He's going to do it through the preaching of His Word. And I want to stay faithful to do just that, don't you? To do that. Well, the same thing is true of the physical resurrection. Look over at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If there's no such thing as the physical resurrection, then we've got no gospel to preach. We've got no good news to tell sinners unless there is a physical resurrection of the dead. That's what the Apostle Paul says here, 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 12. Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ be not risen then our preaching is vain. And your faith is also vain. It's vain to trust in a dead Savior, isn't it? Yea, we're found false witnesses of God because we've testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up if there be, if the, if it's so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain and you're yet in your sin. 
Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ, they're perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we're most men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Now the gospel is good news. If we're, if we're not preaching the gospel as good news for sinners, we're not preaching it. The gospel is good news that tells that the sacrifice of Christ put away all of the sin of all of his elect. If Christ died for you, my brother, you have no sin. Your sin's gone. There's nothing for you to fear. If Christ died for you, and the proof that we have that the sacrifice of Christ put away all the sin is laid on him is he was resurrected from the dead. Now remember, the only reason for death is sin, right? If there's no sin, there can't be any death, right? Well, Christ died because he was made sin. Because the sin of his people was laid upon him and he died for that sin. He died to satisfy God's justice for that sin and his blood washed away all that sin. If Christ died for you, his blood has washed you white as snow. White as snow. If Christ died for you, you have no sin debt before God. If Christ died for you, God's not looking to get you. There's no reason for him to. Your sin's already been paid for. He's not sending a bill collector after you. Your debt's been paid. How do I know that? Christ arose from the dead. He would never have risen from the dead if there was still sin on him, would he? Christ arose from the dead because the sin of his people was gone, put away by his blood. Now, if Christ is not raised, if there's no resurrection of the dead physically, that means Christ didn't rise. And if he didn't rise from the dead, that means his sacrifice didn't put away the sin of his people. And your sin's still on you. My sin's still on me. And we have no hope. We have no hope. See, Christ died. But if he died, and in his death, he did not put away our sin, we're going to still be condemned, aren't we? We'll still be condemned. If Christ is not physically raised from the dead, we may as well all go home and watch football. Because we don't have any good news to tell. But, Paul says, Christ is raised from the dead. And that's the proof. His sacrifice justified his people. Paul said in Romans 4 verse 25 that Christ was delivered for our offenses. He was delivered to God's justice. He was delivered to God's to, to death because of our sin, because of our offenses. And he was raised again for our justification. He was raised again as proof. His sacrifice put away the sin of his people. Now since Christ is raised from the dead, his people are going to be raised too. They're going to be raised in a fleshly body, just like his body. Paul calls Christ the first fruits. The first fruits. That means there's more to come. If it's first fruits, there's got to be a second fruit. There's got to be third. There's more to come in there. All of God's elect are going to be raised in glorified flesh just like the flesh of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Now I'm telling you what, that's good news. That's good news. We're not going to have to live in these broken down bodies forever. Ron got here this morning. He said, Frank, how's, how's your back? And I said, well, it's, it's back to normal for me. And he said, well, that don't sound too good. I said, it ain't going to get any better. Probably get worse over time. I'm going to have to live like that forever. No. When Christ returns, and his people are taken to him, to be with him in heaven. I'm telling you, we don't have the foggiest idea how glorious that's going to be. I typically think of Christ's return seeing him face to face. Thinking of, of my body dying and opening my eyes in glory being satisfied like our brother David said. I'm going to see him. There are no words. <laughs> but you know what else? We'll be with him in a body just like his body. No more with this nature of sin. One body. One nature that's sinless, that's holy, that can look on him. That one who dwells in a, in a light that no man can approach unto. We're going to look at him face to face and live. We'd be incinerated if we tried to do that in these bodies. But in that body, we'll see him face to face. Worship Him. That's good news. That's the good news of the gospel. We've got that to look forward to. Now Christ gives His people life. The same way Adam gave us death. Look at verse 21 there in 1 Corinthians 15. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order. Christ the firstfruits. Afterwards, they that are Christ at his coming. Now we're made spiritually dead in Adam. That's why I said a minute ago, when Adam sinned, we sinned. When Adam died, we died. And God's elect are made spiritually alive in Christ. When Christ obeyed the law, so did you. If you're in him. Our bodies, you know why they die? They die because of what Adam did. Because Adam sinned. But the bodies of believers are going to be raised because of what Christ did. Because of what Christ did. Raised just like Him. And when God's purpose for this earth is done. And the only reason God created this earth is to, is to make it so that fallen man would be in it and His Son would get to glory and save His people out of it. And when that purpose is done, when it's accomplished, God's going to wrap this thing up. And Christ is going to come back again. And there will be a resurrection of the dead. Every dead body, every person who ever died, those bodies are going to be raised and come back to life. The dead have to rise. 
They have to. They can't stay dead because our Savior reigns over death. Look at verse 24. Then come at the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet and the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. When Christ returns, death is destroyed. There'll be no more dying. No more dying. Now the natural man scoffs at the resurrection of the dead. Because we've never seen a dead person come back to life, have we? I mean, certainly we've never seen a person whose body's decayed back to dust. We've never seen them come back to life. So our pea brain thinks, well, that can't happen then. I mean, I'm so self-important, I think, well, if I've never seen it, it can't happen. But you know what? We have pictures of this all throughout nature. Look at uh, verse 35. Job talked about that, right? And, and a, a tree stump could, could start um, sprouting again. Paul does the same thing in verse 35. He said, but some man will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Well, thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened, except it die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bear grain. It may chance of wheat or of some other grain, but God giveth it a body as it pleased him. To every seed, his own body. You know what Paul's saying there. He's talking about a farmer planting his crops. When a farmer plants his crops, he just plants an old, dried up, I mean, hard as a rock, dead looking, shriveled up seed. He digs a hole in the dirt and puts it in the dirt and covers it up. He buried it. Just like we dig a hole in the ground and bury these bodies covered up with dirt. There that dead seed is under the dirt. But for long, you know what happens? A tender plant grows up. And for long, that tender plant is going to bear juicy, sweet fruit. It's not going to be those, that hard, a bunch of hard kernels like you planted. It's going to be something that's changed, isn't it? Juicy, sweet fruit. See, what the farmer planted is not the same thing what comes up. He planted a dry, hard piece of corn. And before you know it, up grows a plant. And it's got hundreds of juicy, sweet kernels on it. <laughs> when that farmer said, I want to grow some corn, he dug a hole. I mean, just a little teeny tiny hole. Put that seed in it, covered up with dirt. He didn't dig a long trench and put a, put a whole stalk of corn in there, did he? No, he just put one little dry seed. And what came up was a whole lot more glorious than what he planted. That's going to be the resurrection of these bodies. We're going to bury a dried, dead corpse. It don't look like much. Take down there to the funeral home. They pump it full of whatever chemicals you know that they they put it through, and they they try to make a person's face look like it you know did when they were living. And seems to me it never works. Seems to me it never works. There's something about the spirit leaving the body. The body just don't look the same. I mean, they just can't make it look the same. It just, and my goodness, we got to bury that thing out of sight. Because even with all those chemicals, I mean, that thing is going to turn ugly and offensive. And, oh, 
You've got to bury it. Boy, you wait to see what comes up. You wait to see what comes up. We're going to be raised in flesh. Job said with these eyes. But it's going to be different flesh. It's going to be a different kind of flesh. It's going to be glorified flesh. Verse 39. Paul said, all flesh is not the same flesh. There's one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, another of birds. They're celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. But the glory of the celestial is one. The glory of the terrestrial is another. There's one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It's sown in corruption. It's raised in incorruption. It's sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It's raised in power. It's sown a natural body. It's raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. They're two different things. You know what we go out there to the cemetery and bury? That's not like, that's not what's coming up. It's not, it's, it's gonna, just like the crops at harvest time, what comes up is a whole lot better than what the farmer planted, isn't it? Now again, that's the good news of the gospel. Believers are not gonna spend eternity in sinful, decaying flesh. It's not gonna be natural flesh. It's spiritual. It's a spiritual body. Now right now, our bodies and our nature, they bear the image of Adam. Don't they bear the image of Adam? But when we're resurrected, all traces of Adam are going to be gone. There's not going to be a trace of him in our nature and there's not going to be a trace of him in our flesh. We're going to be raised just like Christ. Verse 45. So it's written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam, the second Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ, was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. And afterward, that which is spiritual. The first man, he's of the earth, earthy. He's just like the earth from which he was made. The second man is the Lord from heaven. And as is the earthy, such are they that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they that, that are heavenly. And as we bore the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. We shall Either we're going to be changed in the resurrection or in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that's written, death is swallowed up in victory. Now you know death is a sad time for a family. For the family left behind is a sad time, isn't it? I mean, it's very emotional. It's very emotional to go out there and they, they set that casket on that grate, you know, over top of the grave that, that they've dug. And some people do, some people don't, but see that grave lower down there into the ground. Folks might throw a handful of dirt on top of it. 
gone. And we think, I've left my loved one out there alone. Now, they're not there. We, but that's the body we do. <laughs> I mean, that's the body we love. We think, I've left them alone. I've left them alone. And it's sad. It's sad. It seems so final. I'm never going to see them again. I'm never going to talk to them again. I'm never going to come in the evening and watch a show with them again. Say, let's watch our show and have some popcorn. I'm never going to do that. I'm, oh, I miss that. But you listen to me. It's not final. That's not final. That body is just resting in the grave. Until Job said, my time of change has come. When the Lord calls me up out of that grave. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? You don't have any victory. This thing is just temporary. The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. That body just rested in the grave. God's going to call it out. Now this teaching of the resurrection. These bodies are going to be resurrected. It's a fact of scripture. That's not just dry. Dead doctrine. Not at all. Hearing about the resurrection. That motivates the believer doesn't it? To keep trusting Christ. I see him through a glass darkly. But I'm going to see him face to face then. I'm going to see him clearly. It keeps us looking to Christ. It keeps us looking for him. Boy, knowing there's a resurrection of the dead, knowing that he's going to come. And if you're still living in the twinkling of an eye, you're going to be changed, just like, being just like him. That keeps you looking for him, doesn't it? Brother Fortner used to say he'd stand on the tiptoe of faith looking for him. He's coming. Oh, I long for that day. Knowing that Christ is going to return. There's going to be a resurrection of the dead. He's going to gather his people to be with him where he is for eternity. That motivates me to keep preaching Christ to my generation. I sure would like to see him save you. I sure would like for him to save me. I'd like to see God save his people. He's coming back. I'd like to see him gather you. So, verse 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now look over First 1 Thessalonians. We'll, we'll quit here. I had no idea I preached this, this long. I'm sorry, but I hope it will be beneficial to you. Hearing of the resurrection of, of the dead. Is comfort for God's people. While we trudge through this veil of tears, this is our comfort. First Thessalonians 4, verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent, we won't precede them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. 
and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now that's good doctrine. That's true doctrine. That's what the word says. But look, look what Paul tells us to do with this doctrine. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Isn't it comforting to know this is not all that there is. You wait to see what's coming. You wait to see. I hope God will comfort your hearts with that. Let's bow together. Our Father, how we thank you for this blessed teaching in your word that you give life to dead sinners, that you do it through the preaching of your word. Father, I, I beg of you that you'd be pleased this morning to take your words that's been preached and give life to your people. To take one who, as of now, has not yet believed on you. Father, you give them faith and life to see Christ and believe on you. And Father, we're thankful for the teaching of the resurrection of the dead. Oh, what we have to look forward to because of Christ our Savior. Father, cause it to thrill our hearts and comfort us as we go through our, the journey that you've called us to here below. It's in Christ's name. For his sake and his glory we pray. Amen. All right. Sean, come lead us in the closing hymn.